This is episode 44. We are continuing the discussion from last week about the matriarchal order and the ordinances of the flesh. This is based almost solely on the uh, an essay written by um, Gwendolyn Wynn, and it was found in the Square Two Journal, and I will have access to that. I will have the link in the show notes. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. As always, just to let you know that this podcast and YouTube channel is um, a discussion that I have about anything as it relates to the feminine divine, whether in the scriptures, how they, um, in the priesthood, in the temple, and how they connect us to our heavenly mother um, and help us understand the gender of this divine personage of a heavenly mother. If you have um, any questions, do not hesitate to reach out and uh, let me know. As always, this channel is not endorsed by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am a full and faithful member endowed in the temple and uh, a covenant-keeping woman in the Church of Jesus Christ. So without further ado, let's continue on with the discussion. Lactation. She considers an ordinance, which also doubles as a sacrament. Elder Holland taught, this is a definition of a sacrament. A sacrament could be any one of a number of gestures or acts or ordinances that unite us with God and his limitless powers from time to time. Indeed, as often as is possible and appropriate, we find ways and go to places and create circumstances where we can unite symbolically with him and in so doing, gain access to his power. Those special moments of union with God are sacramental moments, close quote. Isn't it a huge miracle that a woman can keep another human being alive by being both food and drink? Lactation is a huge miracle. Even if a, a woman is not able to breastfeed a child, the child must be in the bottle. This doesn't negate the divine properties of lactation. And even the Lord has used this human capability in his parables. And he said, can a woman forget her sucking child? A woman's anatomy makes it literally impossible to forget a sucking child because the woman's breasts and gorge, um, the milk begins to leak. Now, yes, over time that will decrease and eventually go away. But for that time, you cannot not think about your baby or a baby when those things are physically going on in your body. Pregnancy is like an ordinance. It's likened to faith and repentance. Because when Jesus talked about repentance, he used both the Greek word and the Hebrew word represents a turning about, turning and facing in a completely different direction. Um, you're changing your whole mindset. You're changing the direction. And pregnancy is like that because your whole body literally changes, completely changes. And that is likened to repentance. It's a new way of viewing pregnancy. Section three, signs, tokens, covenants, and keys. In our physical bodies, we find the signs and tokens of the matriarchal priesthood. Now, signs and tokens are sacred, but because those of the priestesshood are revealed in the home, 
which, as we know, the home is comparable in sacredness only to the temple. They are known to all of humanity. What is a sign of the priestesshood? Our navel. It is physically engraved in our bodies to be a witness and to remind us that we received the holy ordinance of birth. It reminds us that we owe our deliverance from our completely dependent prenatal state on our mothers and the holy garments of the holy priesthood have this navel mark to remind us and that we need to nourish our physical bodies as, as well as our spiritual selves. Now, tokens of the priesthood, the tangible objects for women, it includes menstrual blood and breast milk and for men is sperm. And we think about the developments in DNA analysis with saliva and blood that we now have tangible evidence of our biological progenitor of our ancestors. And it unlocks secrets of genetic material that years ago wasn't even a possibility. We were completely in the dark. And it is used as evidence to correct and validate family trees. How many have uh, used family search and have taken those DNA tests through your saliva to find out where your ancestry comes from and how you're connected? And you people have even been hooked up with long lost relatives, relatives they didn't even know existed because of this DNA of this saliva. These are the records of the priestesshood. Now, the, the signs and the tokens that were referred to here are far from complete because our bodies are filled with rich symbolism and rich inheritance from that we received from our heavenly parents. And we have just barely scratch the surface and refer to these things in ways that help us to understand in our mortal mind of how we're connected to our heavenly progenitors, our sacredness of our missions of our gender. Now, what about covenants? So many blessings associated with making and keeping covenants of the church. There are blessings that are associated with those covenants that are given to all those who honor those covenants that they make through birth, physical affection, attachment, and lactation. Now, these ordinances teach us about the covenants, but they are not the covenants. The overarching principle to ponder is that the covenants of the flesh provide us with the constant nourishment and the constant strength we need to live abundantly, not just to survive, but to live abundantly and to endure to the end. What about keys? This one I find fascinating. Whenever there is priesthood authority in the church, there are keys directing it. We think of a presidency, right? We understand, we understand that these priesthood keys are the right of that presidency and that can only be exercised in their fullness by one man on earth at a time. So are the keys of matriarchal priestesshood. Think about this. If we liken it to that, well, who holds them? Who holds the keys of the priestesshood and how are they conferred? One clue we have is that unlike the spiritual ordinances, which have been taken away from the earth during periods of apostasy, we know that the dark ages, the ordinances of birth, physical affection, attachment, and lactation have never been taken from the earth. The matriarchal priestesshood has been passed down from mother to daughter in an unbroken line since it commenced with Eve, who received it from her heavenly mother. Each woman born has been divinely given the ability to administer these ordinances of the flesh 
suggests that every woman who has kept her first estate holds the keys of the matriarchal priestesshood because keys represent authority and access. And once again, I'm quoting all of this from this essay because I didn't think, I didn't find a way that I could articulate it as well as she wrote it in this essay. This may sound, continuing the quote, this may sound like absolute chaos as we are used to the clear hierarchy of the male priesthood. Now I had to change that because in her essay, she said the hierarchy of the patriarchal order. There's not a hierarchy in the patriarchal order. We expect a president who is the presiding authority. And this would essentially mean every woman on earth is one, but for the gospel as administered through the authority of the flesh to be in the world until the end thereof, as was decreed in Adam's day, and thus survive a war, pestilence, apostasy, and every other obliterating obstacle. It must be radically decentralized. Every woman must have keys, else the devil find God's plan easy to frustrate. Close quote. You have a key. You are the president of your matriarchal priestesshood, of your matriarchal order. You hold the keys and you pass it down through giving birth, but you exercise your keys every time you exercise your gender, when you mother and nurture. And as I've talked before, yes, motherhood in the full sense of becoming pregnant, giving birth of lactation is amazing. It's challenging. It's hard. And there's a lot of pain, both physical and emotional that's associated with it, but it's a short period of the full, full-time part of that 20 years, give or take. And then what about the rest of our time before and after? Because like I said before, our experiences are not placeholders for something else. They are our mission. That experience that we're going through now is our mission and how we perform that mission is tied into our peace, it's tied into our salvation, it's tied into our eternal progression. The priesthood and priestesshood was given in Eden. In the last section, what is essential? Quote, these ordinances of the flesh are what we are referring to when we speak of nurturing and their near universal receipt can blind us to their value. Close quote, because every woman has the capability, despite her worthiness, despite her spirituality is given this ability to um, perform the sacred act of birth, whether or not she recognizes that sacredness, whether or not the people around her recognize that sacredness. It is, we tend to undervalue the sacredness. We tend to be a little more lackadaisical about it. We, especially as members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, People who have the restoration of the gospel, we've got to be careful not to desecrate or belittle this sacredness or belittle this nurturing or allow others to belittle it. For God has called it sacred and essential. Nurturing is sacred and essential. People will belittle that and they will they will bring some other, something else to be honored above that nurturing aspect of, of being a woman, of being a female. Heavenly power comes as we receive the ordinances of the flesh and spirit and live according to their associated covenants. But our authority does not need to be exercised over all of the ordinances for us to accomplish all that is needful in God's eyes. 
just like a man, even though he's ordained to the priesthood, does not mean that he is expected or required to always preside over all of the ordinances after that. So a man is given ordained to the priesthood. He is not expected to always baptize all of his children. I mean, that is something that is allowed in the church, but it's not an expectation. Just as a man is not expected to perform all of the temple marriages just because he has that priesthood authority. The same with a woman. We are all, um, we, everybody must be born. Everybody must be nurtured, must be held, must be fed, clothed. We need to have our sicknesses treated, our wounds treated. But despite all of that, no woman is forced or coerced to provide that affection, that lactation, that nurturing, that um, to feed and clothe. Because she is the president, she can delegate that administration to others, including and especially fathers. She doesn't have to 24-7 clothe, feed, nurture, hold every single human that she comes into contact with. Delegation is an important part of that. And part of what women's instinct is, is to know when we're living by the spirit, especially that we know when and who and how to do such delegation. Receiving ordinances is at the beginning of our discipleship. Open quote, once we have received ordinances, we must consistently live according to their covenants so that we can endure to the end. Hugh Nibley taught the ordinances are, quote, mere forms. They do not exalt us. They merely prepare us to be ready in case we ever become eligible, close quote. The objective for all the ordinances and all of the covenants, both of the flesh and of the spirit, are uh, to instruct us in how to act so that we can live and that we can live abundantly. And that's the key phrase there. This whole motherhood is equal to priesthood is a phrase that has driven me crazy since I was a kid, because as we've talked about before, not all mother, not all women are able to, through no fault of their own, be able to bear children, but any worthy male can hold the priesthood, can be ordained to the priesthood. And this misconception, this misunderstanding came from a quote by J- President J. Reuben Clark in 1946. He described wives and mothers as, open quote, possessing the complement of the priesthood powers and possessing a function as divinely called, as eternally important in its place as the priesthood itself, close quote. Remember, we are con- continually in a state of restoration, a restoration of the understanding of the priesthood. We have the priesthood powers that we need on this earth. We didn't have a full understanding. We still don't, but we have seen the changes in how we understand the way the priesthood works and how women function in that priesthood, even more so, especially since 1946. The male complement to motherhood is not priesthood, it's fatherhood. I think we need to reframe our thoughts, reframe the way we articulate things, reframe our language. And I've I've talked about this in past podcasts. I've talked about this in my book, We Are Adam, and we are doing that. We are slowly in the culture of the church and in the official parts of the church. We are changing that articulation, the changing the language. In the Lord's language, the word father has always had layers of meaning. When a man is born again, when he's baptized, he's spiritually begotten of Christ. That means that Christ becomes his father. So when a man is ordained to the priesthood and he now is given authority to help others become 
children of Christ, part of his duties would be considered fathering. He becomes a father, helping others become children of Christ. In God's language, so Christ himself consistently spoke of God the Father, spoke of him as a father, not as God the priest, because that's that's essentially what all of his duties, his mission, his purpose to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. He's a father. And that is the purpose of Heavenly Mother as well. The Savior's language shows Father expresses a more complete understanding of what priesthood accomplishes. Priesthood duties are those which nurture the daughters and sons of God through their spiritual life to exaltation. Close quote. I'm going to quote this section because I really like the way she articulated it. Open quote. Is it possible to accomplish the fathering duties of the priesthood without the mothering provided by women of the priestesshood? Of course not. It is no more possible for a man to do this than it is for a lone woman to conceive, bear, and successfully rear a child. Mothers in mothering the flesh need fathers to be equally yoked with them. Priests in fathering the spirit need priestesses to be equally yoked with them. Elder M. Russell Ballard expressed this doctrine in the following way, open quote, in our heavenly father's great priesthood endowed plan, men have the unique responsibility to administer the priesthood, but they are not the priesthood. Men and women have different but equally valued roles, just as a woman cannot conceive a child without a man. So a man cannot fully exercise the power of the priest to establish an eternal family without a woman, close quote. And I think he articulates that even a little bit better than uh, J. Raboon Clark did. To be successful in our roles in mortality, in our divinely appointed roles, we need to be partners. We were given these missions, these duties, and they were put in place and designed in a way to be interdependent of each other. They were never designed to be solely on their own. They're always meant for a man and woman to work together in the home, in the church, in our nations, in our community, because we, we are damned. We are stymied and halted. And the work cannot move forward without that equality, without that working, uh, that partnership, men and women, women and men. So I'm not putting on one specific gender. We both need to learn how to work together. And it's from the time of Adam and Eve, it's been a struggle of including each other. If we use the phrase that every faithful, worthy man in the church may receive the holy priesthood, but some women through no fault of their own will not be able to bear children. That really throws a wrench in that whole mechanism that we have been culturally taught about the mother priesthood quality, because it's just it misrepresents our divinely ordained authorities. It misrepresents who we are as children of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. It misrepresents our gender and it grossly undervalues, I think, women. Open quote, priestesshood is a woman's apprenticeship to become a mother in heaven, just as priesthood is a man's apprenticeship to become a father in heaven. Close quote. So our responsibilities 
are to be mothers and fathers to each other's flesh and to be fathers and mothers to each other's spirit. And this was designed for us to work together, to be interdependent. And as long as we work and striving to work together, no, it's not perfect. And we make mistakes and we stumble and we hurt each other's feelings and we we undervalue each other's contribution to the to the kingdom or to our families or to society. But when we are able to find a way, a synergy of working together, then the kingdom will flourish. The um, Zion will flourish. Our societies will flourish in a way that wasn't even, even possible before. And we see this is one of the big reasons that Satan attacks women is because we are so essential and so needed in the success of all of these that I have mentioned I just want to close with my thoughts that when I started and embarked on this journey of exploring the divine feminine, searching for, to articulate the value that women have in society and in, in our families, in the church, I never liked the phrase um, feminist. I didn't like the phrase of female empowerment because it felt like I was giving to someone else something that they didn't, that they lacked that they didn't have. So I am not empowering anybody because as women, we were given that power before we were ever born. We were given that power in the womb. We were given this power in the garden of Eden. We don't need anybody to give us the power that God has already given us. Maybe what we need is to be awakened to that. We don't need permission. We don't need permission from men. We don't need permission from priesthood authorities for us to perform our duties, to magnify. We do not need anybody's permission to magnify our divine purpose, to magnify our gender, to magnify our ordinances, the sacraments, the uh, priestesshood that we have been given. We don't need permission. We have it. We just need to have a connection with our parent, heavenly parents, a connection with Christ to have that relationship. So we know we're guided what it is we're supposed to do specifically as women, specifically as mothers, specifically in our individual callings in the church, in our personal ministries, in the world with who we are just as, as individuals, there's no empowerment to be had or to gain or to look for. We've got that. We've got it in spades and it's been given to us by our heavenly parents. And we just need to open our eyes, wake up and magnify that to move forward and nurture the world, nurture our relationships, be that mother of all living because we have been ordained to a priestesshood just because it's given to all women, even though they don't know that's what it is. They don't recognize it. We didn't recognize it and as a culture, as a society, as a church society till, you know, not that many years ago, because slowly the light is dawning. It is, it is rising. It's becoming brighter. We're understanding more and more. And yes, the wickedness is increasing, but so is the spirit. So is enlightenment. So is knowledge. We're not left without knowledge. We're not left without comfort, with the ability to endure and to live abundantly. And I just pray that we can recognize who we are. And that is through strengthening our relationship with Jesus Christ, attending the temple, making those sacred covenants in the temple, 
keeping those sacred covenants in the temple and attending as often as as humanly possible, because that is what is dusting off the filth of the world that we just accumulate to us as we go through life. We need the temple. So if you want to understand womanhood, if you want to understand priestesshood, study the priesthood. There's tons of articles, there's books about it. Go on the churchofjesuschrist.org. Understand what the priesthood is, how women are involved in that. Go to the temple and increase your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you will have amazing enlightenment and you will learn to live in so much more abundance than, than what we are experiencing right now. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. If you have any comments, please, please, please let me know what you thought of this episode. Do you agree and that it's considered a priestesshood? Do you think that these are considered ordinances and sacraments? Am I being blasphemous for sharing this essay with you? What are your thoughts about women and the priesthood. I I would love to hear from you. So please reach out, send me an email at, at RamonaSitaway at gmail.com. Reach out to me on my website. And um, thank you again for joining me and have a divine day. <laughs>